0: Hi, welcome to today's episode of Epic Conversations. This podcast is a series of conversations about the issues related to parents and carers living with teenagers in crisis. I'm Madeline, one of the founding directors of Empowering Parents in Crisis, otherwise known as EPIC. And I'm Roberta. I'm a regular member of this amazing parent peer support group. EPIC understands that it's not always possible to get to a peer support meeting or a counselling session, and we want this podcast to be a source of information that parents and carers can tap into when they need it. EPIC acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today and pays respect to Elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this EPIC conversation. We are very fortunate to have Helen Bird with us from the Butterfly Foundation. The Butterfly Foundation is recognised in Australia as a leading expert in concerns relating to eating disorders and self-image. Helen's role at the Butterfly Foundation is management of all aspects of education services including workshops and events to school students, parents and professionals working with young people. Her aim is to create awareness, expand the reach of the Butterfly Foundation services and to manage professional development events. Hi Helen, thank you for joining us today. Helen, can you please give us a bit of information about the Butterfly Foundation?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, Butterfly is Australia's largest national charity uh, for eating disorders and body image concerns. Uh, We do lots of different things. Um, We deliver awareness, advocacy and fundraising campaigns. Um, lots of people know us because of our uh, um, national helpline so that's the only uh, designated national helpline that um, supports um, body image and eating disorders and we speak to over 30,000 people through that helpline every year Uh, we also provide a range of individual and group-based programs for people in recovery their families their carers their loved ones and last year we opened um Wanda which is a treatment recovery centre on the Sunshine Coast, um, which is piloting a really different and innovative model of care here in Australia. And um, so we're super excited about that. And I suppose the other thing that we really try to do is amplify the voice of the lived experience. Um, That's a really important part of our work. We incorporate into all of our programmes and services. Um, particularly when we're advocating for things like better treatment, better care and better support. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: wonderful. And what's your role within the Butterfly Foundation?
1: So, yes, I've been lucky enough to be at Butterfly for something like eight years now. Um, and I look after um, all the education and prevention work we do out in the community. So all of our work in schools um, all across Australia alongside a really small but dedicated team. Um We've got a long history of working in the prevention space here at Butterfly. We've been operating since about 2006. And so our programs address um, the risk and protective factors for body dissatisfaction and eating disorders. And we provide uh, workshops, presentations, seminars, resources um, around uh, prevention and uh, early intervention to parents, professionals that work with young people and young people themselves. and in that time, we've reached over 1.5 million young people and trained something like 15,000 professionals and parents. So we've had pretty big reach for quite a small small yeah. uh, small team of people.
0: That's absolutely amazing. And awareness is is the number one thing, isn't it? Just making everyone aware that there is an issue and and yeah yeah we need to address it. Yeah. Which which leads me into the startling statistic that's on the Butterfly Foundation website. That's states that over a million Australians are living with an eating disorder Mm. and less than a quarter of those receive treatment or support. So for me, this sort of raises two questions. And one of them is, are young people more likely than adults to be affected with eating disorders?
1: Um, Yes. I mean, eating disorders can affect anyone of any age, any ethnicity, any background. Um, But we do know that the average age of onset for an eating disorder is between the ages of 12 and 25. Um, And the way that eating disorders develops is really complex um, and different for everyone. And it's usually a mix of sociological, biological and physiological, psychosocial factors. Um, And whilst, you know, the risk factors transcend all ages, There are several risk factors that are particularly pertinent to young people. And the more risk factors you're exposed to, the greater the risk. So, for example, we know that a risk factor is puberty. Um, So young people coping with hormonal changes and rapidly changing bodies can be particularly hard. And especially for young people that are maturing at a different rate to their peers. So for girls that maybe are maturing early and for boys actually those that mature late that's a particular risk factor um bullying and appearance related teasing um and comments often kind of presented as banter in the playground or um you know n- n- not too harmful it's actually a really significant risk factor um uh for an eating disorder body dissatisfaction which can lead to an eating disorder and we did some research amongst um People with a lived experience um, for a project that we were doing, and a lot of them could point back to comments that were made during their primary school years as having a really profound impact on how they felt about their bodies. And the other big one that's really playing into um, young people as a risk factor is social media. So there's lots of research to support the fact that the more time that adolescents spend on social media, particularly those image-based platforms, which are about um you know posting or editing selfies or curating your creating your own kind of like lifestyle the greater the risk of um body dissatisfaction and of course that's not to say that eating disorders and body dissatisfaction didn't happen before social media but it's definitely been a game changer a real kind of um rocket fuel to the fire and um I think it's the extent to which ideals are reinforced through the, through social media, whether those ideals are about beauty or bodies or health or fitness and the extent to which um, young people can compare themselves to other people on social media. It's those two things together, the comparison factor and the reinforcement of ideals that really kind of explain why social media can be you know, so tricky when it comes to body body image and body dissatisfaction
0: such a minefield isn't it because it's sort of like from a parent's perspective it's such a we're the kind of maybe the first lots of parents going through watching children that have social media and not having had it ourselves and Mm. it's it's really really tricky I think I think schools are struggling everyone's really struggling to say it also has its
1: good points as well but absolutely um, I mean it's one of the things that we focus a lot on in our work with young people around how to have a a positive experience or maintain a positive body image whilst online. And we yes. also guide parents really around um, how they can support social media use in their young person without, you know, in, instilling that kind of, you know, fear of missing out. You know, young yes. people have that really strong fear of missing out. So it is about helping them to um, use it in a way that's um, supportive rather than um, triggering or unhelpful. So yes. Yeah. Okay, so
0: does the Butterfly Foundation have any ideas why maybe a quarter of the people
1: living with an eating disorder don't receive treatment? I mean, there's lots and lots of different reasons why people don't access treatment. I think one of the big things is, as with most mental illnesses, there's a lot of um, stigma around eating disorders a lot of misconceptions about what they are and um, how they present and what they look like, and also really just that low level of awareness. And um, Butterfly uh, conducted some community insights research um, back in 2020, and that pointed to really low levels of awareness and stigma when it came to body image concerns and eating disorders. And we know that stigma and judgment really do act, whether that's perceived or real, really do act as barriers for um, diagnosis and care. And I think the other thing that plays into into the issue is that by nature, eating disorders can be quite a secretive illness. Um, It's an illness that works hard to try and isolate somebody um, from um, maybe support structures And many people um, experiencing eating disorder don't feel like that they're worthy of support or treatment. And, again, they may also be really unsure or, you know, just not able to recognise really how unwell they are. And there can be a real reluctance sometimes to let go of eating disorder behaviours because it means losing an aspect of either our uh, habitual behaviours or an aspect of our identity even and coupled with that we've also got um people experiencing eating disorders can often experience low self-esteem and therefore they feel like that maybe recovery isn't achievable for them that they haven't achieved success in other aspects of their life and so that maybe that they wouldn't be successful at recovery um so on top of all those kind of individual factors we also know that there is um, a lack of understanding about the treatment and support services that are that are available, and obviously, um, butterflies working hard to kind of address that. Um, but we also know that there is a real lack of capacity within the system, um, and this has been, you know, particularly a problem as a result of um, COVID and the persistent lockdowns. That there really isn't enough um, practitioners or treatment providers to kind of cope with the demand. And then on top of that, you've got the economic and geographic issues. So we all have yes. always known that rural and regional areas um, have really suffered from a dearth of um, services. And unfortunately, eating disorder treatment is complex and it can be quite a lengthy process and relapse is common and it's expensive potentially. Um, so there's many reasons why um, people are receiving the treatment that they should huh. and deserve. Yeah. But
0: I mean, when you just that explanation is just so fabulous, and it touches on—I mean, so many of the other things that parents that we come across are struggling with, it and and it regards also to things, mental health-wise, and addictions, and that the mm. stigma, the awareness, the secretiveness, the not feeling good enough—it's just mm. the way that you you put that into words was was really great. Thank you for that. So eating disorders and negative body image are serious mental health illnesses. Mm. Are you able to explain how eating disorders and body image concerns are different and how they're related?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. They are different things, um, but I think most people don't really appreciate the role that body image or I suppose body dissatisfaction plays within the development of an eating disorder. And it's a significant risk factor. So uh often people experiencing an eating disorder will say well, it's not about body image and and I think they mean in that stereotypical sense of everybody being really vain or wanting to you know look like a supermodel but um things like trauma abuse and uh, bullying um dieting which often do play a role in the development of an eating disorder often means that a person has a poor relationship with their body mm-hmm. so um Our body image is essentially about our thoughts and feelings um, and attitudes towards our body. And that can, you know, those feelings and behaviours exist on a continuum. So on the one hand, we've got um, people living, uh, thriving in their bodies, genuinely feeling good and accepting of their body, eating in a way that's um, about pleasure and enjoyment, taste, nourishment and fuel through to sort of more problematic, um, feelings and behaviors through to that disordered space, and then, um, onto a clinical, um, eating disorder. So the, what we're trying to do at Butterfly in you know, our prevention work is help everyone to kind of feel comfortable in their bodies, accepting of their bodies. Uh, although we know that, that it can be really challenging for lots of people, but generally to have that positive relationship with eating and, and physical activity. So, um, yeah they're different things but they body image definitely can play a role in the development of an eating disorder or body dissatisfaction yeah
0: so if a if a young person's experiencing negative body image concerns how can that relate like how can that affect their everyday life
1: well um yeah you often talk to people and they go oh body image oh it's just you know everyone goes through that everyone everyone feels rubbish um well You know, actually, the problem is the reality is that weight and worth and appearance are so closely connected in our society that actually it really does lead to really significant challenges for young people. So it impacts and distracts them from their studies, their work, um, their friendships. Um, and it can lead them to engage in um, other risky, harmful um, health behaviours, such as um, early sexual activity, drug use. Um, you know, it can w- cause them to withdraw from social activities and extracurricular activities. So it's not something that we really need to um, ignore because it really can stop um, young people le- leaving really healthy, fulfilling lives.
0: Yeah, I um, I can see that it could be the the start. I think that ex- explanation was a really good and is a really good warning sign for parents to take heed if that if mm. people are not feeling happy, if the young person's not feeling happy with themselves, yeah. yeah, because it it can lead, as you say, to to further downfall, I suppose, and and other
1: things. Yeah, well, we know we know that. Body dissatisfaction can start young, and we know that it can hold firm really through our adolescence and into our into our adulthood. So, um, we really do need to kind of, um, if we want to stop these being lifelong concerns, we really need to kind of address them early. Um, and something like seventy-five percent of people re- report some level of body dissatisfaction throughout their life, or an, and engage in behaviours to try and manage that. And we know that when people feel dissatisfied with their body, they turn to really un- can turn to really unhelpful things, like trying to shrink their body, or um, diets, or um, develop muscles, or you know, really unhelpful things. Um, so we need to try and um, prevent that really. So
0: suggestions that, like parents and carers, is there anything that you feel that they might be able
1: to do to support their child if yeah. they can notice this sort of behaviour? Well, I suppose, you know, the first place to start is, well, what does, you know, what does body dissatisfaction really look like in a young person? And it can be all sorts of things, but you might see and hear hear them acting differently. So they might be starting to criticise their body a lot um, and a- articulate that verbally or you might notice them continually comparing themselves either to a sibling or a friend or to, you know, an influencer or somebody online or a celebrity. Their kind of social habits might change. So they might not want to leave leaving the house. They might stop socializing with friends in the same way. They might avoid doing either activities that they previously loved or they just don't want to try new things anymore. You might notice a lot of body checking, so spending a lot of time looking in the mirror, a lot of time on grooming you know, fixating on certain aspects of their appearance and viewing parts of their body as flawed. Um, And just maybe obsessing around things like weight and food or um, those kinds of things. And I think um, the important thing is that our message always at Butterfly is do something earlier rather than later. So have a conversation with your young person. And that can be difficult, but you need to try and explore and seek to understand and come from a place of concern and love um, and remain calm but alert and as a parent you will really want to be trying to kind of role model those really positive attitudes and behaviors and be really mindful of the language that you're using around bodies or weight or food and exercise and being really accepting of um, body diversity and appearance. And of course, lots of parents, we're not immune to all that toxic messaging that from diet culture either. So we know that lots of parents struggle with this themselves. And so and another message at Butterfly is that if you're finding that hard um, to role model in front of your child, um, obviously do your best. Nobody's perfect, but if that is a real um, something that you would like help with definitely to reach out um to butterfly and we can support people around that and i suppose going back to the young person if you're if you're seeing that kind of um body dissatisfaction continue and be quite sustained then um it really should maybe approach a gp and start having a conversation with a health professional and get some support
0: yeah no that's yourself and
1: the young person yeah
0: Really, really good advice. In fact, actually, I was on a drive the other day listening to a Butterfly Foundation podcast. Oh. And and a really good tip that I, I heard on there was to be able to concentrate on what your body can do, not what it is, what, what it looks Functionality. like. And I just thought, wow, yes. it's just such a good message. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Function over form, definitely. Um, yeah, celebrate all the things your body allows you to do, how it allows you to engage in the world, see it as the vehicle. Um by which you travel through life, and you know, the, it's the um, it's it's the journey that's important, not what you're traveling in. Yeah, yeah. No, I really, I really appreciated that,
0: so I highly recommend the yeah. my foundation podcast. Yeah, great. Um, okay, so well with eating disorders so that was more the body image what are some Mm. signs that a young person might be might have an, an eating
1: disorder yes so um it's complex because eating disorders can present in all different kinds of ways some develop slowly some quickly and you certainly can't tell necessarily if someone has an eating disorder simply by looking at them and because eating disorders present often present alongside other comorbidities such as um depression anxiety ocd um autism spectrum disorder um it adds to the complexity of like identifying and uh, identifying them and also treating them so i suppose it will look different for everyone um but there are some kind of common warning signs so um physiological, psychological, behavioural um, warning signs. So we might see uh, an increased preoccupation around food and eating and body shape and weight, that distorted negative body image, um, feeling anxious or irritable around mealtimes or avoiding uh, avoiding mealtimes and not wanting to eat in front of others or, or feeling out of control around food. So that kind of um, those signs of, of, of binge eating, um, you know young person that's suddenly been very rigid and rule bound around their eating and very very um seeing foods in very good and bad um you know using that dichotomous thinking um either using food for comfort or punishment you know that they um uh you know self-punishment almost and applying some of those perfectionistic or oc tendencies tendencies that they may have towards their appearance or their physical activity while they're eating um, you might see evidence of um um purging activities so the use of laxatives or diuretics or frequent trips to the bathroom after meal times you might see evidence of you know um, excessive amounts of food being eaten so food wrappers and uh, being hidden in bedrooms or or rooms or bags Um, complete change in eating style so suddenly um, switching to clean eating or veganism that might be veiled as you know ethical eating but actually may have um, some other um, motivations behind that Um, taking a great interest in what's being uh, cooked so suddenly being in the kitchen and looking at what's going into recipes and maybe suggesting lots of healthy buying of recipes or control over, you know, what sort of milk or cream might be going into things. And then obviously the physical thing. So you may see fluctuations in weights, both up and down. So not all eating disorders are, are about um, being particularly low weight. So there's lots of atypical presentations of eating disorders. So somebody may not necessarily be have to be at a very low body weight to have an eating disorder, Um, dizziness, faintness, maybe lack of menstruation in teenage girls or stopping, stopping of menstruation in teenage girls. And I suppose the big message is if you're concerned as a parent, definitely trust your instincts and learn more and seek advice if you're at all concerned. So I think I'd, I'd, the next question
0: was going to be if a young person is experiencing it, an, an eating disorder, how can it affect their everyday life? It would be relatively, Perhaps. yeah, it would be quite similar with times degrees more of of the, with the body image issue.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it impacts every aspect of a person's life, and it, you know, people with an eating disorder have, or some people with an eating disorder describe it like living with a a bully a relentless bully that is um super critical it's a really intrusive voice telling them that they're not good enough um you know encouraging them to engage in their eating disorder behavior presenting as um as an ally and as a friend and yet despite all that for some people it can be really difficult to want to kind of give up so it's um you know, if you've got a young person, it's going to affect their mood, it's going to affect their energy levels, their ability to concentrate, that, you know, their cognitive function and their learning potential. Um, you might see that their, their drive for perfectionism is, is directed towards um, towards eating or academic results. Their immune system is probably going to be compromised. Um they're, you know, they're going to find going to school or participating in everyday life um, at variously difficult at, difficult at different times, and they're probably going to be experiencing a lot of guilt because they um, understand the impact that their um, behaviour has on the people around them. And yet taking steps to recover recovery can be really terrifying for a young person or any person.
0: So how would we go about supporting them at that stage?
1: Um, I suppose the level of support or what support is required um, depends on so many different factors so um, their age their diagnosis how long they've been experiencing their eating disorder the sorts of treatment that's available in their area and what the family can afford or access Um, and of course there's lots of different treatment options available and it's about finding the right thing that works for your young person and that actually makes I don't want to trivialize it but it's a bit like finding a hairdresser you know you've got to you've got to you maybe have to try out a few people first before you find somebody that you're really comfortable with um and I suppose you know there's a lot of tension in the home potentially when somebody's experiencing an eating disorder so um you know it's hard to carry on with that normal life but that's really what you you're trying to trying to do you're trying to support the treatment process but carry on with um day-to-day activities and um just be that that kind caring loving parents um which can be difficult when you're getting uh, not getting necessarily your young person seems like they've disappeared and you can't find them and that they may be um you know highly stressed and um difficult to engage with but you've just got to Got to keep going but you know seeking support for your young person is really critical um and so you need to that's got to be your focus making sure that you've got that support in place yeah. and people yeah. like butterfly national helpline can support families finding local um treatment providers and clinicians in their area um, either through our helpline or through our online searchable referral database, which is available on the Butterfly website, butterfly.org.au. It's an awesome website. It has so much, so many resources on there. Yes, um, lots of information. It's a really good place to, to start if you're not really sure where to begin. And again, the, the helpline is a really great place because they will, again, help you navigate through the system and the resources that are available.
0: Yeah. and you mentioned it's a, it's a very very stressful time for parents and carers and the siblings and the friends and <clears throat> all the loved ones when someone is experiencing someone that they love um experiencing a an eating disorder mm. so how can can they be supported so that they're okay to be able to then support the person who's diagnosed with an eating disorder or well, has a negative body? Yeah,
1: it's that old adage, adage really, isn't it? Put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem is that's really difficult um, as a parent at the best of times, let alone when there is an eating disorder in the family. But, you you know, you often put your own needs aside. But, um, and, you know, there's, you know, parents often feel really overwhelmed and that they um, they're feeling like they're not giving enough time to other family members or siblings or their relationships and on top of that they're really worried and concerned for their child who's experiencing the illness but I think if, if you don't take time for yourself you can't care for others adequately and what taking time for yourself or caring for yourself will be different for everybody and it may be just you know taking some time out to read that book, go for a walk, listen to the podcast, have a, have a hot bath, have a, have a, listen to a meditation tape, go, you know, go have a yoga, yoga experience or a massage or something like that, whatever works for you and whatever you can fit in. And, um, I know that there is a, you know, a lot of people, would really recommend the the benefit of peer support. So being supported by other families who are either have been through the journey or are, or are going through the same experience as you. And um, again, Butterfly Helpline can uh, connect you into the support groups that that we run, we run run for family members. Um, But there's also organisations like Eating Disorders Family Australia, um, which offer a really wide range of resources and support groups. And so I would really encourage people to have a look there as well. Yeah, no, that's great.
0: Peer support is awesome. It sort of, it helps people who are going through the same thing, share what's happening, and Mm. we find that with Epic. Um, Mm. Well, there's so much we could talk about on this topic. Um, Is there anything that I've missed? Do you think that we could?
1: No, I just, I mean, I think... our our really biggest message and that if people take one thing away from listening to this is that you know recovery is possible but we know that um that's really aided with early intervention so that can really reduce the um the length of illness and the severity of illness so acting sooner rather than later is is better so never feel like It's not serious enough to go and talk to somebody. Um, I don't think you'd regret regret that if that was the case. But um, always, you know, trust your instincts as a parent. You generally have a sense of when things are not sitting right. Um, And so reach out for support. And um, if you need help in talking to your own young person and raising concerns with them, then um, Butterfly can guide you on having that kind of positive and productive conversation. Cause the, the really the goal is to keep the communication um, going with you, your young person, till maybe they're ready um, to acknowledge that there's a problem and they're ready to kind of um, proceed with um, support. Um, so don't give up, and be persistent and trust your instincts. Oh, great advice. Absolutely great advice.
0: Thank you so much. Um, So Helen, if people want to connect with the Butterfly
1: Butterfly Foundation, how can they do that for themselves and for their young person? Well, the great thing is we do have a really extensive website, so it's butterfly.org.au, and on that website you can find details of how to access our national helpline, which offers web chats, um, email support and obviously telephone um, support. Um, that's available 8am till midnight, seven days a week, um, every day of the year, except national public holidays. And the phone number, uh, if you wanted to ring was one 800 33 73 but all the details are on our website. And so I'd encourage people to have an explore of all the resources and information that's there as a starting point. Brilliant. Thank you, Helen.
0: And thank you for your time today and your wisdom and for your work supporting the people affected by eating disorders and body image concerns. Um, I just really appreciate your time, and I know that it's going to be helpful for so many people. So No, thank, thank, you. thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: It's okay. been lovely. Thank, thank you. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. A transcript of this conversation can be found on the EPIC website at www.empoweringparentsincrisis.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us via the links on the website or Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Thank you to West Fund Health Insurance for funding this podcast series.